this place. Oh, Lord, we thank you this morning. Oh, we welcome you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's really great to be in the presence of the Lord every time. I mean, I, I enjoy God's presence whenever he comes around. Sometimes he comes to me and he says, don't do that. He changes things. He says, this is the way I want it. And we have to listen. This morning, if you have a tithe and offering, put it in the box. Lord, we thank you for the gifts we receive in this place. But Lord, it's your presence that we honor. It's your presence that we will. Lord, we give you all the glory. It's good to have our trap back. <laughs> you win the many miles club, I guess. This morning we're going to talk about entering his presence. It's something that Sister Susan brought up a few weeks ago on Wednesday night. You know, I, I find it hard to believe that there's everybody in this church wouldn't want a deeper relationship with God. I think that's something every one of us wants. We want to feel his presence. We want to experience him in a real way. We want to feel him daily. We want to know that he's there. I mean, without that kind of presence of God, it's a real shallow view of Christianity. Just to say, oh, I accept the Lord Jesus as my Savior and go out your business. That's not Christianity. But a lot of people have that. But knowing God is different than knowing of God. So many people know of God, but very few know him, or even try to get to know him. I mean, it's the essence of what Jesus came here for. His teachings were all about the Bible promotes a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and Jesus. In James 4.8 it says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Now you can look it up. You know the second part of the verse. But the first part tells you this is what you've got to do if you want God's presence. Jeremiah 29.13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Not with part of it. Not on that night when the bills come in and you go, oh, how am I going to pay this? Not at the night you wake up or in the morning you wake up and you got the aches and pains. No, God, take this away. No. When you're sitting there, like this morning, and just said, God, come near to me. Come near to me. I mean, we have a great worship team, and their whole job is just to get you to forget the world and enter into his presence. That's all they do. That's all worship music is to do, is to get you to relax and and get rid of the ways of the world enough that you think about. And the only thing you focus on is God. 
But if you look at what Jeremiah says, you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. I mean, what a nice invitation. How would you like to get that in the mail? You're invited to meet God. God says, all you got to do is look with all your heart. I mean, it's remarkable. God just throws it out there. I mean, here he is, sitting on his throne in heaven. He's created everything you see. He's created everyone you see. Everything that exists. And yet he takes the time to give you a personal invitation to come into his presence. You're invited into his house. He wants us to worship him. Not from just the Father words and song, but in the in the most being of our soul. He wants us to enter into a relationship that is so meaningful and so intimate that we begin to know God's heart. And in response he begins to touch our heart, our spirit and our soul. The only way we're going to do this is spending time with them. We can't just go out and say, I want this. You have to do it. Any kind of relationship you want to work on, whether it's with your boss, your spouse, your children, whoever, this takes time. You have to put in the work. Well, with God, the same thing. It takes time. Give them the first few moments of every day. Let's say you start out just giving them the first 15 minutes of that breath you take when you first wake up. Amen. And you just give him 15 minutes of that day to start with. And you develop that routine. And then you give him more and more of your time. I mean, it helps when you're listening to worship music because it settles your spirit. And it helps when you're in prayer. But prayer is what is going to get you there. Prayer is what's going to get you through that door. And so many people, they think that prayer has something to do with religion. It has absolutely nothing to do with religion. Nothing at all. Prayer is about developing a true community with God. True prayer, honest prayer, prayer that is authentic, prayer that is genuine, prayer that is transparent, fully focusing on a true relationship with God. That's where you need to be. I mean, I feel the presence of God through worship music, and I feel his presence so much more when I'm just sitting quietly and just praying. I mean, we've had great moments here in the mornings of real intimacy with God and the Holy Spirit. But you have to listen to God as much as you speak to God. We have to stay in his word. His word reveals so much about him. But a dedicated prayer time, a dedicated time that you can set aside and worship, and it may be a sacrifice for you, he sacrificed his son. 
He's asking you to sacrifice some time. There's this missionary that lives in Mozambique that has a prayer life. She gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning to pray. She prays for three hours before the work day starts at 6. Three hours every day. And if you listen to her and if you read her, her books, she talks about a time when she was in such a space with God and his spirit just took over. She laid there for days in the presence of God. Amen. People had to carry her out of the building, carry her back in. God just was all over her. And that's just the way it is sometimes. You need that intimacy with God. David realized it. David writes in the 51st Psalm, which is one of his prayers. He says this to God. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you I have sinned. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you should be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I brought forth to you iniquity and the sin in my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part, you will make wisdom known. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me. I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have made have been broken. Rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David knew what it took. He understood how, how what it meant to get into the presence of God, what to get to know God. The writer of Hebrews in 11.6, Hebrews 11.6, says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is he, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now there's two major groups in the church. First are those who seek God for what he can do for you. You know the ones. Oh God, I need a new car. Help me, help me, help me. Oh God, I need this. Oh God, I need that. They seek God for what God can do for them. But they don't know who he is. But there's another group. A group that doesn't want anything from God. They just want to get to know him. They want that intimate experience with God. They love him for what he has done. They desire to spend time with him because they are best friends. They spend time with him because they want to honor him and worship him. Amen. So the question becomes, are you hungry? 
for a more intimate connection with God? Intimacy with God, connection to your soul. This is crucial. It's connecting it the point with you directly to heaven. Paul writes in Romans 7. He says this, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I know to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But I do what I don't want to do. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Now Paul's not denying the responsibility he has as a sinner. We all committed sin, we all need to repent of our sins. But he recognizes that sin is part of the nature that he has before he met Jesus Christ. And he understands that at times he's gonna be in battle with that sin. You know, it says we're born again of the spirit, but this flesh is still there. It didn't go away. And it's going to be a battle. It's something Paul, Paul writes about us battling our old nature all the time. Because it is a critical thing. We always seem to do that. We must own up to the sins we've committed. Can't just pass them off. We have to ask God. We have to repent. We have to turn, as they say, from our wicked ways. We have to know that it is struggle. Paul knows that his real inner man has a delight in the law of God. The difference between the law and the days of Paul before Christ is very simple. No one could live up to the law. No one could live with 632 laws of Moses without committing sin. Jesus came, he said, I come to fulfill the law. He doesn't take it away. He fills it. So he says, now I give you grace. You can come before me and repent of those sins that you've committed. They're still there. We're still committing them. But through the grace of God, we're forgiven of those. So he tells us his real self tried to uphold the law. But his new self is connected with Christ. And he understands through this new man, he can have that relationship with God that he couldn't establish under the law. Some people pray like the Pharisees. Remember, Jesus told us, when you pray, don't be like those hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. What's he saying? He's saying, if you want to make a public display of your prayer, and the people admire you for that, that's all the reward you're ever going to get. 
that glory of 15 minutes of faith. Uh, I don't know if it was a show that said your five minutes of faith are over. It's done. She says you have to have a deeper relationship. Authentic prayer requires a humble heart. A heart that is focused on Jesus and not on ourselves. In Exodus 25, the Lord told Moses that he wanted him to build him a tabernacle. The Lord wanted this because he desired a place to meet with his people and dwell. Now he told Moses exactly how to build it, exactly what materials to use in every facet of that tabernacle, from the outer courts to the holy of holies, from the veils to the lampstands, all of it. God precisely told him what to do, how to build it, and made sure he was supplied with what he needed. But he says in Exodus 25, verse 8, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Then he said, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly to the pattern I will show you. So you get the idea. We build a church today for God's presence to come and dwell in. A place where we can fellowship with each other and we can fellowship with God. You remember in Isaiah, when it was written, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord. Which I'm glad of. And then he says, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. That gives you, gives you a very good idea that you can't conceive what God has in plan. He says, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, if you look back at Psalm 51 that we talked about with David, in verse 6, he said, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. What he's saying to David, what David is saying, take away the sin. I'll hide the sin so you don't see it, but give me wisdom. Give me the wisdom to understand things. I mean, there's so many things I would wish I had God's wisdom to understand at times. It just is. Because there's so many events that go on during the day, and you wonder how you're not handling it right. You know, why is this going? Why is this happening? Why is that going on? And it's just because we don't have the wisdom to deal with. He wants David wants to have a connection with God. He wants a connection that touches his inner spirit. You know, one of those kind of things that really moves you. You get so relaxed in God's presence. Who wants God's touch everywhere? I mean, so many of us are connected to the outer world. We are not in touch with what's inside of us. 
we're untouched with what's on Facebook, what's on television, what so-and-so is doing, what this one's doing, what that one's doing, what's going on here. We're not connected with what, what's going on inside of me. What's going on inside of me? What makes me tick? What makes things go the way they're going? I mean, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, people have been in the plight of running from themselves and running from God. I mean, we don't want to be who we are. That's why we only post on social media the good things. We want everybody to see the great, oh, this was our cruise, this was our air there, this was our party, this was this, this is me getting a new outfit, this is this, this is not me sitting in the doctor's office getting x-rays, this is not me taking all these medications, this is not me <laughs> trying to breathe. <laughs> we don't post that. We live running away from ourselves because we want to be what the poster says it is. We want to be the, like the ones on TikTok, always having a great time. That's not life. That's not who you are. You need to dig into who you are. This is what David was doing. This is what Paul is doing. Digging into who he is so he can have a proper relationship with God. Amen. I mean, we have to learn to stop running from ourselves. And from this book, we have to try to figure out a way to cover up our own nakedness. Because God looks down at us and we say, God, we're naked. And he says, Who told you you're naked? I mean, there's times, you know, we've all had these moments where we're sitting there and all of a sudden we get restless. We get uncomfortable. Our minds start to wander. We're thinking of all these great things. Oh, it'll just be wonderful if I have a new car. Oh, it'd just be wonderful if I had this. We start thinking about other things. Because we're restless, we're uncomfortable. We have to get something to satisfy our flesh. God says, no. Take the time. Take the time before the fall of man. Take the time that Jesus brought you on the cross to come to me. When you're restless, when you're tired, cry out to the Lord. Let him fill that space. Let him fill that moment. Let him fill those desires. I mean, practice sitting in the presence before God. Amen. Some of us don't want to do that because God's going to tell you exactly who you are. He's gonna, he's not, God does not hold punches. You know, he doesn't sugarcoat his words. 
He's going to tell you, you know, five years ago on Tuesday, I told you to do this. And you basically flipped me the bird and went and did what you wanted to do. Well, now you're paying for it. And God's honest that way. He's not going to let you get away with anything if you seek him. But he'll forgive you of everything if you truly repent. Because you have to remember, if you're sinning, God's not seen. God does not see sin. He can't see sin. So you're invisible to God. Yesterday, you may have been fine. You repented. You and God had a good conversation. Today, you went out and sinned. Now, you don't have it anymore. Because God doesn't see you that. So many people believe that it doesn't matter what they do out here. God is always with them. That's not true. God, you remember when, when Jesus was on the cross. And just before he died. Everything went dark. Everything went dark. That's because God does not see sin. He could not watch Jesus take the sin of the world. He could not see that sin on his son. He knew that was what's going to happen, but he could not see it, so the world went dark. And then he came out of it. Jesus tells us when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your Father in private. Amen. And then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Pray sometimes in private. Put your own little prayer room. Go in there and do whatever it takes to surrender to the Lord. We must be willing to die to ourselves. This is hard because we're so convinced that we're better than sliced bread. I mean, we're the, we're the greatest invention on the face of the earth is me. There may be some others better, but I'm close. We think everything revolves around us. And God says, no, you gotta fight that off. It's not about yourself. It's not about your connection to the outer world. It's about your connection with me. It's about the spirit connecting with my spirit, not your flesh connecting with the world. So we have to learn that. God, who is Son Jesus Christ, has filled us all with living water. And he wants it to flow through us and out into others. In John 7, 38, it says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart to yours. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.11, yet God made everything beautiful for its own time. He planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Paul tells us in Ephesians, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you are the riches of his glory. The inheritance is in the saints. 
We're to carry on Jesus' mission. We're the ones representing Christ. We're the ambassadors of Christ. This is who we are. Jesus flows in us through the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, dwells within you. And he's there to guide you in and get you through those times, not have you run out to the world and look for your, your answer there. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's talking about losing your earthly life, your fleshly life. In the verse just before that, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up a cross. We have to surrender our sin to God. We have to turn ourselves over to God. It's all about living with God, getting into that relationship with God. It's going to make you a much better person. Let God control your life. He knows everything about it anyway. He knows every thought that you've had, every thought you have now. He sees the thoughts of all of us right now. Every one of us. This is an amazing God we serve. Amen? Let's stand. Lord, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you. I thank you daily for your presence in my life. The wisdom you have poured out upon me. The wisdom that you're pouring out upon this church, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you for all that are here this morning. We pray a blessing over everyone. If you need prayer this morning for any reason, the altars are open. Maybe you just want to come down this morning and make a commitment to God. Just say, Lord, I'm going to come down to your altar this morning, and I'm going to say to you, I'm going to give you more time. I'm going to give up my free time to spend time with you. I'm going to start my day with you. I'm going to finish my day with you. And I'll pray with you day in and day out. Lord, I just want to be in your presence. Lord, I just want to know who you are. Help me to get to know just who you are, Lord. Help me to get to live the life you would have me live. Oh, sing with me.